This week, we had Alicia Conlon Heard onto the show. I actually caught up with her in person in her house in Melbourne, which is really cool. And I've known Alicia for probably a little over a year, but she's a really, really impressive and cool woman. And this is a good podcast for anybody who is looking at the following things. So one, if you're interested in a career in marketing, especially on the agency side of things, because she worked in an agency for over six years. And so she's got a really good insight into what it's like to work for a marketing agency and what that lifestyle looks like. Also really good for somebody who is considering setting up their own business, because that's what she has done over the last 15 months or so. And she's made it actually quite successful. Really good for somebody who's considering working with somebody close to them. So whether that's a friend or a partner or a family member, the reason being is this business that she started and that she runs, she does that with her partner. And she has some really good ways for how they make sure that that works and that their relationship works and that their business works alongside it. And it's also a great episode for somebody who is still trying to figure out what the hell they want to do because she was in that position herself. She says she is still trying to figure out what she wants to do. And she has good exercises that she has done to help her design her life. One of the ones that I actually found the most helpful was she has this idea of prototyping your life. So basically you have an idea of something that you might want to do. Well, how can you prototype that? How can you go and maybe test it in a small format and see if it is something that you do enjoy? And so lots of really great practical tips like that. So I definitely recommend listening to this episode if you meet any of those criteria. But she's also just a super interesting person and an absolute gun of a businesswoman and as an entrepreneur. So it's a really, really good listen and I hope you enjoy it. Start off, how do you describe what you do now? So as in like what our business does? No, like you personally oh like what yeah. do i actually yeah, do yeah. like if somebody if you're at a <laughs> i don't know a christmas lunch or something and your auntie is like so what do you do i'd be like what do you say i've answered this a hundred times i'm not telling you again <laughs> but <laughs> if she was asking for the first time well i run a business with my partner called persuasion experience so i guess i'm a business owner i probably don't really resonate with like entrepreneur so much which is like a different story we can delve into but we've been running persuasion experience for 15 months or so. And what do we do? We help B2B and tech and SaaS companies to figure out why people buy from them and then turn that into landing pages and funnels. That's the quick way of saying it. Okay, gotcha. So like, do you call it an agency or? Well, this is like the fun part, right? I hate the word agency because I think it has like a lot of really bad, nasty connotations. Um, (laughs) So we are still figuring out our positioning, but like realistically, yeah, we're like a marketing agency or a marketing consultancy that helps businesses to grow. Okay, gotcha. Um, but obviously, you've only been doing this for 15 months. So yep. wait, what age are you, if you don't mind me asking? 28. Okay, so um, for the first 26 years and nine months of your life, <laughs> you didn't do this. So yeah, what's kind of, well, I guess, first of all, like, where did you grow up? And like, what, what were you, what was school like for you? Were you like a straighty 180 student? Or oh, yeah. were, you, were you? Oh, like, yeah. okay, so what, what, where did I grow up? For the majority of my childhood, I grew up in a town called Denali. And then this is usually where I get blank stares and people are like, cool, you should go there on your travels, actually. I'll give you some good country Vic recommendations. And so this is a tiny little town, no traffic lights, like under 800 people. 
Um, before that, we were like a bit further out in a place called Maligal. Our house burnt down. We moved into this town called Denali. And I went to, first I went to a public school, which is in Maryborough. And uh, like I love all the people there that I know and stuff, but it is like one of the lowest socioeconomic towns around Victoria, really high teen pregnancy rate, really high STD rate per capita, stuff like stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. It, it is quite rough. Um, and I went to the public high school. And I was just bored because I was quite smart. And so, like, year seven, year eight is really, like, quite easy, mm-hmm. I would say, in the education system for, for, like, a lot of people when you're transitioning from primary school. But, like, I loved doing well at school. I didn't have, like, the easiest childhood. So, going to school and, like, getting praised and getting attention for being an awesome student was, like, my vibe. So, I was very competitive, still am, and, like, always wanted to do really, really well. And I just found it easy. Um, to to do well as well. And so, when you were in high school, was there a job that you really wanted to do when you grew up? No, never. No. I, I, I don't know. I just always really struggled with that question. I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up, right? And I feel like when you're um, – even all the time, like people only talk to you about these really stereotypical jobs. And that's awesome, like be mm-hmm. a nurse or be a teacher or be a whatever. And so when you go into like a career counsellor in like a country school and they're like, so what do you like? And I'm like, I don't know, man, school, like I'm good at it. And he's like, be a teacher. And I was like, I don't – and I love teaching people when I used to coach a lot of sport and I was like, I don't think that's my path. So um, I thought – I was like, oh, health is, health is like always growing. I was like, maybe I want to be – like a nurse or a paramedic, I went and did, like, just on my own, I didn't have to, I went and did a week um, uh, a week work experience in the Monash Medical um, oh, Centre nice. and I worked in the abdominal, like, post-surgery hardcore wing and I, they were, like, they were, like, help, letting me help with, like, gangrenous toes and I was seeing them, like, vacuum up cuts. That doesn't freak me out. I grew up on a farm. Like, okay. I've seen some shit. But um, all the nurses were, like, do not do this. Really? They were like, do not do this. Like, do not get into this profession. And I was like, well, say no more. Like, this was fucked, so I'm not doing that again. And then um, I thought, okay, well, I, I applied for physio and dentistry and I thought I would do one of those. I got into both. And then I I never thought I would have a gap year. I ended up taking a gap year and working in a call centre. And I was really good. I was like this 19, no, 18, 19-year-old chick coming in, like getting like top salesperson in this like 200-person cold calling centre like selling Origin Energy and I'd never paid a bill in my life. Yeah. And I was like, this is fun. What's this sales business? And then um, eventually I just sort of flipped open the uni book and I was like, oh, marketing and event management. I'll do that. And then I, yeah, no way. And there's my uni. That's how yeah. I chose my path. Yeah, no way. So <laughs> yeah. like, and I feel like it takes a certain type of personality to go into a call center at 19 and like smash it. Yeah. Um, Puts hairs where, on your chest. Yeah. Like, where did that come from, do you think? Uh, well, I know where it kind of got come from because I moved out of home, like, as soon as I could and I moved to Bendigo, right? right. And I was like, it'll be easy to get a job. I'm so employable. I'm sick. And then next minute, couldn't couldn't get a job. And so, if you're on Centrelink, which I was, they're like, well, you have to get a job. Here's a job at a call centre. I didn't even really understand what a call centre was they like, oh, it's doing sales. I was like, what's that? They're like, oh, you'll be doing this. I was like, cool. So I aced the interview and then got it. And that's that's like how I got into it, right? Yeah. Like I didn't probably wake up one day and I was like, you know, it's a sexy career. Yeah. Call center work. <laughs> Give me some of that. Yeah. So that's kind of how I, I guess, fell into it. But then, but in terms of like 
doing well in it, right? Because there's a difference between like oh, yeah, getting yeah. a job and, and you can was, show up and like, you know, dial the numbers, but like. Yeah, and there was anything. a huge turnover. It was just, a, it's just a game. And yeah. ever since then, like after that, so they lost their contract and we got like 200 of us got made redundant. And a lot of people were like, oh, I'm just going to take two weeks off. And I was like, you fools. There's 200 salespeople who have just got made redundant in a small country town. Like that night I was applying for jobs. And then I ended up working at JB Hi-Fi in Bendigo doing um, telco sales. So this is during uni. I had another job after this in uni at an agency. But um, yeah, so doing telco sales, selling TVs, selling stuff. Like I just love that um, having to hit this goal. And and I didn't realize it then, but I know it now. Like sales is just helping people. So I would just Mm. ask good questions and be like, oh, like what do you need? Like what's your goals? And then go, cool, let's. Like, and it was just genuinely helping people to find what they needed to find. And I was really good at sales there as well. Mm. Yeah. Lots well, of uh, gold stars on my little JB Hi-Fi sales board. Yeah. And I guess like knowing what you've, a little bit about what you've done, like since then, mm. a lot of it has been focused around sales. Mm. So what, do you think there's like natural things to your personality that makes you good at sales? Maybe. Or is it like, like, what's this bit between like natural versus like learn? Yeah. And this is the thing, right? Like I would say I'm somewhat naturally extroverted, but there was a point in my life. So before we moved to this country town, I used to get bullied horrifically when I was younger. We grew up in an area called Chelsea, which is kind of around the Melbourne area, like horrifically, like kids in class would be like making pig noises because they can just smell when a kid's poor. Like they just know when you come from like not a well put together family. I had like very young parents. Like, they just know and I was, like, horrifically bullied. And so I remember when we were 10 being, like, okay, and this is fucked for, like, a kid to think about, right? Okay, like, I am not going to, like, deal with that here. And so I remember this kid, like, started, like, sort of making fun of me and I just shut him down, self, like, was self-deprecating and then no one ever bullied me Mm. ever again. Like, and that's, like, the change in it. So as a kid I was really shy and really introverted and I don't know it's like I guess it's been like learned behavior that's compounded over the years but that's like the decision that I think or like the thought process that has put me there because a lot of people are like oh but you're good at sales because you're extroverted and yeah and I was like but I wasn't like I was a really shy kid yeah, yeah. it was just compounded over time and now you can't shut me up see it's gonna be like a three-hour episode <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's actually very interesting because like I I chat to a lot of people and you hear kind of a similar story yeah. of like um whatever trade it was they weren't it and so they actually overcompensated because yeah, they needed exactly. to for some other reason um okay so you you've gone to uni you're studying marketing and sales yeah. you're doing these uh part-time jobs on the yeah. side um what happens from there you go through uni you get a job straight out of uni or like what's the next step so during uni um I took every single volunteer, chronic overachiever, chronic people pleaser, hello, still recovering. But I would do every volunteer opportunity, right? So I was volunteering in a, the Bendigo Business Council as well as having the like this job. And then through that, I met an agency owner who had like a creative agency in Bendigo. Mm-hmm. And he was like, hey, I'm going to hire my first employee. Are you interested? And so I started then. He's like, cool. So I have all these clients. You need to do SEO, Google ads, Facebook ads, build their landing pages, just figure it out. And I was like, okay, sounds easy. And so I was like getting listings on yellow pages for people, like just not doing awesome work, obviously. And um, then I worked there during uni. So I was had a full-time job plus volunteering at these different places. Once I finished uni, 
my boyfriend at the time had already moved to Melbourne and in Bendigo, you're kind of waiting for someone to die or retire before like a good job comes up, right? It's like, and I was like checking the obituaries and I'm like, nah. <laughs> all right, I guess I'm not going to be a marketing manager anytime soon, but I still didn't know what I wanted to do, right? And I just happened to know a friend of a friend who worked in this agency called King Kong. And she was like, oh, like today we went and did zero latency, this zombie zombie shooting game. And I was walking in the driveway at work, hoping that a car would hit me so I could go home. And I was like, that sounds way cooler than what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So I applied there, got the job. um, And then from there, like it was super young agency. I would have been there maybe at like 22 or 23. And within a few months was like building my first team. And it was like, here, now build build a team um, of people that does this thing that you've just made up in this department. Yeah, way. So, I mean, like you're clearly quite smart, bit of an overachiever, as you say yeah. yourself. But like, why do you think you were getting that, like that much responsibility, like early doors? In King Kong yeah. or in that agency? One, because I just worked really hard. Like that was it. Like, And not in a healthy way, in a hashtag hustle 12 hour days doing everything that I needed to, yeah, you know, because that's what I wanted to do. Like at the time I thought like I wanted to have a really big career. Like I had an idea of where I wanted to go and I wanted to get there as fast as humanly possible. Um, Also because somewhat right place, right time, you know, of course, there's always like a little bit of luck thrown in there. Uh, I was good at what I did in those agencies. Often like the best one becomes the manager and I was the only one. (laughs) And like we had one other person. It was like, well, this team's going to get big. You can have the job. Yeah. And I was like, who? You I've know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's like a like side quest. Not everyone should be a manager that's good at what they do. I love leading people and I love mentoring and coaching, but some people think that's the only way up, right? And it is not mm-hmm. for everyone because you stop being the A player or the star of the show. And then you, and that's something I had to get really comfortable with. And I did, luckily, put the ego on the shelf. Of like, hey, my team did this. You did that. You're awesome. And it's not about me anymore. It was about these people that yeah. I, I was I was bringing like up and, and helping them to be better. Yeah. I actually think that's a really good point because I think, you know, when you go into one of these jobs, you obviously look at the people above mm. you and you're like, okay, I want their job. And they're usually managing yeah. people or managing teams of people. Yeah. And... I never even questioned, like, do I want to manage people? Um, And there's elements of it that I enjoy, but there's also elements of it, like, I really don't enjoy and I find, like, take a lot of energy from me. Mm -hmm. And that's actually one of the things I'm going through now is, like, do I want to manage people again? Mm -hmm. Because it has a big impact on what you want to do. Even if you're, like, if you're going to build a business, you're going to build a big business, you're probably going to manage people. Yeah. but I guess it's, it's it's just interesting that it's like it's kind of the default that you think when you think of career progression, you think managing yeah. people. Yeah. But that actually mightn't be. No. And and this is the thing, want. right? As a good manager, I was helping my team to see that. I was like, you wouldn't like managing people mm-hmm. because you just told me all the things you hate. And that's what a manager does. <laughs> and so I was like, instead, it's when you're a good manager, a good coach, I was like, we're going to build you a different career path. And I'm going to show you the different alternative things that you could be doing. Right. And I love managing people. After King Kong, I went to founder and mm-hmm. built a team and managed people. And I loved it so much. In this company, Persuasion Experience, I do not want a big team. It's too, it's just too much work and it's going to distract yeah. me from what I want to do. We want to keep our team extremely lean. I yeah. work really hard with the small team we have and they are absolute killers. But it's funny how when I was in a job, I, I really wanted to be a manager and I loved it and I loved coaching and nurturing people. But now like 
it's switched a little bit and it has to suit your priorities, even if you work in a company for somebody else, because managing often you actually don't really get ahead. Like oftentimes it's not necessarily like your stepping stone to get ahead, right? Like you're, mm. if you're in middle management, a lot of people get stuck in middle management and you have to really enjoy it. Yeah. So, wait, so why don't you want to manage too many people now? It is annoying. <laughs> like, because yeah. I would be stuck managing people. And but you liked it in the agencies, yes, right? Because I didn't have to run a business. At the oh, same okay. time. Okay. So now it's like you've got all these it's other like things. It's like a second job. It's like, yeah. Yeah. And and it's not that I don't enjoy it. I love it. But I can see what would happen when you're – like we don't want to scale a big agency, right? I won't bore mm-hmm. people with the details. But basically agencies typically have a very skinny profit margin. It's usually about 30% all the way up from here to here. There's not okay. much leverage you can get in That's it. That's interesting. Yeah. Right. And, and I'm sure other agency owners might listen and, and disprove that, but just as a general rule of thumb, right? So when we've run the numbers, the trap you can fall into is like, okay, more clients, more people, more clients, more people. And it becomes a success trap. And we mm. don't want that. We started this business as a freedom and a lifestyle business. And so we're very conscious to like not scale and grow because that's what is perceived success, right? Like, oh, yeah. like a lot of agencies are like, well, we've got 50 employees. And I'm like, your overheads must be insane. 50 Aussie employees. Like, that's a huge amount of overheads. Like, we do not want we do not want that. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. And then there's like, you, that's fine if you're doing well. Yeah. Um, but you know, then a few big clients pull out. Mm-hmm. You still have all these overheads. Yeah. That can be tough, and I guess it puts a lot of pressure on you as well, right? Yeah. Like you exactly. lose a lot of the flexibility of it. Yeah. Um. So, like you were talking about, like when you went into these jobs, and you know, the fact that you're working very hard mm. and that perhaps some of it was unhealthy like do you look back on that and say okay that was worth it or do you ever look back and go oh i wish i'd actually been a bit more chill because i was young i was like in my mm. early 20s i wish i'd actually done more things or like how do you look back on mm. that time yeah i mean i'm in two minds about it right mm-hmm. so i Never did like a trip around Europe or like a lot of things that people do in their 20s. I I was always taught good work ethic and you should have a job. And that is like the thing that you do and that is the thing that you should always almost put first. So the negatives that I wish I didn't do is that I really sacrificed my mental health before I even knew what mental health was really. And it was really poo-pooed like, and this is like a few years ago now. So it wasn't as big as a thing um, Mm -hmm. that it was. And I really sacrificed a lot of relationships and my own like mental really? health. I was doing a lot of um, binge drinking, agency cultures, like Friday night drinking, hungover on the Saturday. Um, yeah, like just, just that, to like, cope. Work hard, play yeah, hard. Yeah, the work okay. hard, play hard, and um, yeah, just to like cope with this, like what I was doing. But I also, in saying that, if I could go back and have this beautiful balance where I was working hard and doing the best, but I also was like going to the beach and having walks, sure, like I would do it, but I don't regret anything ever because everything helps me to get to where I need to be. And so some times people will be like, oh, like if you could go back and change something, what would you change or what do you regret? And it's like, I've done a lot of dumb shit, but everything I've learned from and and I had to, and there were lessons that I think the universe has given me to learn that I had to mm-hmm. that I had to be given and if I never did those I wouldn't be who I was today and I look back at a lot of these like sort of milestone I call them like the dumb shit stuff or I call them did dumb I did dumb here yeah. and it's like no okay but that 
that moved me here, right? And there's infinite ways my life could go and where I am right now is is where I want to be. And it wouldn't be if I didn't do the dumb stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, I actually completely agree with that. Yeah. I think the same. I think the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's the difference between looking back and, go, and cringing or something. Like, oh, fuck. That was <laughs> so, so <much> dumb. <laughs> like, but you have to do it. Otherwise, you didn't learn the lesson. You yeah, know? yeah. And even if somebody told you the lesson, you yeah. wouldn't have listened to, you know. Never. Um, so if I'm interested to learn. So I've, I've never worked. I've worked in marketing quite a bit, but I've never worked on the agency side of things. Yeah. I've worked with a lot of agencies. But like if somebody is considering like working at an agency, mm-hmm. whether a small one or a big one, like. Tell, like what is life actually like it sounds like it's a bit work hard play hard there's a mm-hmm. bit of an agency culture um, yeah. around that but I guess what what does life look like if you're working at an agency yeah and of course like it would depend right sure. so I won't blanket all agencies but I know most of them are very similar and I've worked in a few of them and I also think that only a certain type of person should work in an agency I think it's very similar to a startup I think you would thrive in it you would love it you'd be always busy and mm-hmm. always learning but for example, I've heard people in agencies going, oh, that's not in my job description. I'm like, girlfriend, you work in an agency. Like, you, you, everything's your job description. And so, okay. there's a certain, like, you do need, like, a certain grit and determination. And you have to be a little bit sick, like, in the head to really <laughs> enjoy it because agency Why? does churn and burn people. And, like, okay. I do think there's a shelf life. For if you're in like a very fast paced agency, like I was probably doing agency work for like six years or so. And then I started one. So, lol, I'm sick in the head. I'm, I am the sick Clearly, in the head person, yeah. obviously. But what I love about it is the, the breadth of clients that I got to work with. And so at King Kong, for example, by the time I'd finished, I'd worked on 400 campaigns, right? Who has seen that many, who has worked on that many businesses? And that was everything from Brazilian butt lift doctors, porn addiction counsellors, cigarette hypnotists, like how to stop smoking, up to like Metricon, um, big banks, like all of this lead generation. I didn't know anything about businesses really. And now I know so much about like 120 different industries since working there. So I think- I look really highly upon agency experience when I'm hiring because I know it takes a certain type of person to be mm-hmm. able to deal with that. And I know a lot of client-side marketing is quite slow and it doesn't have that intensity. I would have, I would imagine a lot of the startups or the consulting you've done would be very similar to yeah. agency life, but a lot of internal companies are boring and I know that they can't handle the pace of, of working in an agency. Yeah. That's a good point. I think it's like, because I started off in management consulting yeah. and one of the things I really liked about that was exact same, the breadth of clients. Yeah. Um, for two reasons. is like, one, you just learn so much so that if when you go on to your next job, you can be like, yeah. oh yeah, I've actually done a bit in the banking sector. I've done a bit working with consumer goods or whatever else it is. Um, but then the second thing is, is like, it's like a, a job where you get to taste all the different industries. Yes. And then you're like, ooh, I never thought I'd like banking, but actually I really do. Yeah. So, like, I really like that as, like, a first job because mm. you get to taste all these different things. And you learn fast. True. I yeah. think it's really good if you're, like, I want to be a marketer or, or, what, like, whatever, go get a job at an agency. That'll be the fastest crash course you can get to, to getting good. Okay, I really hope that you're enjoying this chat that I'm having with Alicia. I've got one thing to ask from you right now. Tell me what you want to hear on this podcast. I am here to tell the stories of the people, the careers, the lifestyles that is going to help you figure out what you want to do and help you get into that career or that lifestyle that you want to have for yourself. So I'm literally here to 
interview the people that I find most interesting and that you want to hear from. So tell me, go to my LinkedIn, Stephen Duke, or send an email to Stephen Duke 8, Stephen with a PH, Stephen Duke 8 at gmail.com and tell me what types of people do you want to hear? What questions do you have? What stories do you have? I'll respond to everybody and it will be really, really helpful because it just gives me direction in terms of who I can get on the podcast next and what types of stories I can tell. Thanks. Okay, so you're at King Kong. How long were you at King Kong? For? About three years. Okay. Yeah. And then you decided to leave. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> this is a story. So then I decided to leave. Um, you know when like you feel like you've expanded in the box and then you've, you know, like there's nowhere to, there's nowhere mm-hmm. for me to grow here. Um, and that's such a like a millennial thing, right? I was there for three years and I was like, mm, I've, I've accomplished everything I could possibly do here. And it's like, I know I get, I get how that sounds, but I did like, I, I was going to keep doing the same things again and again forever. And I, at that time, very ambitious, wanted to be climbing this ladder. So, you know, the grass is not always greener. I went to this other agency who did a lot of video production, but they wanted to start, um, like building out their social media stuff. So I was going to come in, I was going to help them set up the sales. Um, I was going to build out a team and eventually like there's this path where I could become like the general manager in this company. Two weeks later that I started, COVID happened. And what I was doing was I was creating my own eBooks, calling the eBook leads to book an appointment with myself, taking those appointments and then doing the onboarding and then doing the Facebook ads. But this is at a time where if you remember the start of COVID, mm-hmm. no one's spending money, right? Yep. And so this guy would be like, would say things like Alicia, like to, in front of the team, if Alicia doesn't start making more sales, you're all going to lose your jobs. What the fuck? Shit like that, right? And um, and I was like, well, like I'm I'm pretty like resilient. Like it, it takes a bit to, to shooketh me. I, when I work, work at King Kong, I would deal with escalations. I loved it. I did cold calling. Like yeah. it takes a lot to like upset me. Because I was quite numb at the time. <laughs> like I, was, I was good at repressing emotions. Seems healthy. Yeah. yeah, it seems really healthy. <laughs> I was good at bottling. Um, and he would just be saying stuff like that. And I'd come home to my partner and be like, not even come home. I'd just be sitting here because I couldn't leave the house. Like, oh, my God, this is the most, like, horrific thing. And I'm going through this pandemic and I don't know what's happening. Like, I can't quit this job. Like, what's going on? Anyway, obviously, like, I just started. In- I was there for six months, and it was some of the most brutal six months of my life. I know, what was me, first world problems, but it was hard, like to have all of that going on. Mm-hmm. I was very thankful I had a job. Anyway, before anyone tries to cancel me or some <laughs> shit, <laughs> I had a job. I was lucky, but then, um, yeah, I found founder, and then that's when I moved to founder. Yeah, gotcha. And so, what, um, what was your role as founder? So sales funnel and head of sales funnels and CRO. So same thing. They wanted to grow. They had one um, marketing manager who's amazing. His name's Dave and is a good friend and mentor of mine. But he was doing everything Mm -hmm. basically himself. And they were like, "Uh, we need somebody in Melbourne who knows sales funnels and can build a team. I am the only person maybe in Australia who can do that that exact thing. Yeah, Um, So, yeah, I came in helping on like course launch, so creating new courses. So, if you're in marketing, you might know like uh, Nick Strackleford, Facebook ads guy. I worked with Joe DeSina who started Spartan Mm -hmm. Race and people like that, like getting to work with them and helping to like create the course and then marketing it. So, having a big launch and then um, evergreening it and evergreen just means putting it onto ads and Mm. doing optimizations so people – buy more courses yeah. right yeah it seems like you really liked your time at Fender. yeah it was a lot Did of fun you? yeah 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 what, like what was what was so good about it 
what was so good about it? It's always my team. I, I love my yeah. time at King Kong as well. Like there was other things that, that went on that, that like caused me to leave, but my role, my job, like doing, helping businesses to like solve this problem and nurturing and coaching people like makes me so happy. Really? It's incredibly happy. Yeah. I love it so much. And so doing the same thing at Founder, it was like new company, same thing that I'm really good at. Mm-hmm. And then for Founder, I was there maybe mm, 18 months or so. A myriad of things happened to cause my leaving. But the main thing was Matt, my partner and I were creating something called Operation Freedom. And so <laughs> we go away Um we go away and we were doing this before we had the business, but we would go away quarterly and yearly off-site. So we would go to like a Rosebud or a Dale's Food and we would do life planning sessions. When you say off-site, off-site does like, this mean a holiday? Yeah. It's like, let's get out of the house and somewhere new. But we would always try and find somewhere inspiring. So we would splash out and get like a really nice house with a jacuzzi or something. And then, you know, we would have cocktails and be like, let's plan our lives and let's start figuring this out. And so we would figure out like, where do we want to be? And, and this is how it all started. So, while I was at Founder, we, we had these side hustle clients. The funny thing is we were working separately. We have this similar skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, and one day I was like, oh, I've just brought on this really big client. I can't do it on my own. Can you help? Um, and keeping in mind, I met my partner at King Kong. He was one of my employees. I know. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. know this part of the story. It's it's funny if you're a 20-year-old woman, not funny if you're a 60-year-old man. <laughs> so double standards working in my favor. Yeah, he was my employee. Um, I t- like the management knew it was all above board. People couldn't tell because I wasn't like making out with him in- on the floor. Um, and if he was bad, he would get reprimanded or whatever. Like it's fine. But yeah, he was my in my team. It's the Wild Western agencies. Um, yeah, I forgot what the engine I was going on. So yeah, Operation Freedom. We would always go off. We would do life planning. You know, there's certain areas of your life you can mark out a ten, see the gaps, and eventually. We like we weren't dumb about it. We had six months of life savings. We knew what we wanted to do, but we kept making excuses. So we'd be like, when this happens, when this happens, if this happens. And one day we were having breakfast and I was like, Matt, like let's just do this. Like let's just let's just do it and figure it out. And he's like, Yeah, like we're just making excuses. So we shook hands, we both quit our jobs that day. He was at a, another big company big, exciting company as well. We were both making good money, right? Like six six figure money. And we were like Let's just do it. Like we want to, our goal was freedom of time and place. And when we were like, we can't have this in our jobs. We've had a really big like personal finance journey as well. Like we had our systems, but we were like true wealth is for us is going to come from having a business. Mm -hmm. And I never thought I would own a business ever. Like I just never thought that would ever be, I just never even thought about it. I probably, I never saw people doing it and growing up. The people I did see doing it were small business owners working like a gajillion hours a week. And I just didn't resonate with entrepreneurship. I think um, maybe like typically it's like very romanticized and it's like this this like erratic male who has this crazy idea and he was selling sour worms at school. And then it's like I just I was like, oh, that's not me then because I, I just didn't identify yeah. as like that me being that archetype. I always thought I would like become like a CEO of someone's company or like mm-hmm. I would jokingly say like I want to be three I see somewhere nobody really knows what you do you have a corner office you get paid buttloads of money and you kind of just say stuff at people and I was like sounds great yeah I was like I was like that's my dream job like I would just jokingly say that like I'm gonna work at someone's company take home half a meal or whatever and um yeah just 
you yeah. know, work lots, but who, who no one really knows what I do. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned something about when you were doing this Operation Freedom. Yeah. And you're talking about like scoring different parts of your life. Yeah. What was, what was that about? So if you don't measure something, you can't improve it, right? And so a lot of us... We like we know we maybe want something more or something better, but you I just work really well within like systems and like having mm. things like very like clear of what something is. <laughs> and I think it's like a very typical life design kind of thing, right? So out of ten or five, you can do your wealth, your health, your spirituality, um, friendships, love, like these like things that are really important to you. Yep. And then just see where you rank and you can see how you're improving. But you can also see where you should be focusing on for that quarter and what you want to improve on. So for example, one of my things in the past has been like, I don't feel like I have a network of um, like friends close to me. A lot of my friends are from country Vic. So they're like spread all out. And I was like, okay, like my friends are like a three out of 10. I'm going to keep contact with them, but I want to improve my circle and my network. And then once you know the goal, you can chunk the goal down and start to move towards it. Okay. So you talk a bit about life design. Yeah. What do you mean by that? So, in retrospect, I don't know this at the time. Like, I didn't know this at the time. But I was operating on these invisible scripts, right, where you don't realize but a lot of your programming happens in your brain by the time you're, like, four to seven. So, what I started to realize was I was, like, going on this life that was perceived success to me. I thought that was what – I thought that's what mm-hmm. I was meant to be doing, right? I was just operating on – what I thought was right. And it was a series of just things I read and studying that I did because I, I read a lot of books and I study a lot of things that eventually eventually led me to like, oh, okay, I don't actually have to be doing this. And I was like, oh, well, what do I want, right? And I'd never asked myself that question, like what what makes me happy and what do I want? And it's very confronting when you ask yourself that question and you do not know the answer. Mm-hmm. It's really full on. And so what do I still want? Like I have somewhat of an idea and I'm getting there. But the idea is that you can you can live an infinite amount of lives, right? And they're all right. And and what I do is I get really caught up in in being perfect and like, am I doing this right? Am I doing this perfect? Mm-hmm. And um, so recently I did ayahuasca in Mexico because I've been going on this did like you? yeah spiritual journey, which is a whole other thing of like learning about spirituality and yeah. um, I've been very neglectful of like that part of me and and learning about these things. And during my trip, I kept on being like, am I doing this right? Like, am I am I the best at ayahuasca? And the spirit's like, girl, not in this. Like, this is Alicia language now. I'm translating. But it was like, how funny that you're in this other realm, this other universe. You don't even have a body like I was cooked, like had no body. And that you're so worried about this, like, you know. And, and so, like, I've been, like, unpacking a lot of things in my integration from that experience wow. of, like, and this is a big one, right? Like trying to live this perfect life, but there there isn't this there isn't this perfect life. So in my trip, part of it was all at once, every single life I could have had have ever had and every path I could ever be on, I saw it all at once. And God. so yeah, it was crazy. And it was like, it doesn't matter. Like you're gonna live this life and none of them are right. You go with the flow and you are you just be. Like you go and you and you do what you need to do. And none of them are about being perfect. There's no weight, there's no right um there's no right way to human, you know? And so part of that is like, yeah, like we're not ants or bees where there's a program and if we're doing the wrong thing, then that's that's bad. It's like no, like as long as you're not harming anybody, there's no wrong way to be and there's no way wrong way to live this life. But this has taken me a really long time to to get to here. Like I'm different to how I was two months ago before I did that. 
But if I can tell people this, it, it moves you along faster, right? If you can learn from other people's trauma, you move yeah. faster. So this life design thing has been this ongoing thing of what do I actually want? What actually makes me happy? And how do I define success yeah. for myself? So, like, what it is? What is it that you want, or how do you define success? Yeah, to me, it's it's being happy. And so, a lot of people might put a monetary figure on it. I know how much money I want every month to unlock the life that I you want. You do know? Yeah. How much is it? Thirty thousand dollars a month. Okay. That's not crazy, right? Take home in your pocket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After tax, and yeah. I like and. And that's it. Like, could I build a big multi-billion dollar business? Yes, because I'm sick and I know I would love it. But, and like, I have to check myself because that's like, that's optimizing for the ego, not optimizing for happiness. Mm -hmm. And so there's been times in our business where we're like, let's do more, let's do this. And, and it's like, no, that's, that's not our North Star. It's lucky that we're clear on that. Our North Star is freedom and we don't need millions and millions and millions of dollars. Maybe one day, when I'm older and wiser, I'll build a big company. But right now we want to experience life and we want to be happy. So like, where do I want to get to? I know in all of my facets, I, I know down to the detail what my dream day looks like. I've written it out. I know what I see when I wake up. I know like who I talk to. Really? I know what I do. That's a cool exercise. I yeah, think. like viscerally. And I do it every year and I read back on it when I, I need a reminder because what I think a lot of people struggle with is they don't know their why. Yeah. And mm -hmm. if you have a really strong why, you can you can like keep doing these things. Like every day in business is hard. It's not easy. <laughs> but I know my why and it keeps me going. And so because a lot of people don't know that, or a lot of people think that passion is the key. Yeah, like am I super passionate about funnels? Like I am, you know, in a weird way, but I prefer talking about this this sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like and, and unpacking this, but it's like, what's my purpose? And I have a purpose. I know where I'm moving towards. And that purpose drives me and my why drives me a lot more than like a passion is more like lust, you know? It fizzles. Yeah. You, can't, you can't hold on to it. it. It isn't good fuel forever. And so, do you say, do you define your purpose as like moving towards this life goal of like kind of happiness and this ideal day or is it something different? So that is part of it because, you know, it's like the basic Maslow's hierarchy of needs mm -hmm. or in a simple way, if you're on an airplane, you put the, the air on you before you put it on other people. My goal like in like life and what I want to achieve isn't like around business and, and monetary. Like I have like goals of like, I'd love to have um, workshops where I go and help young women in disadvantaged areas mm -hmm. and like teach them about confidence and life skills and, like, like just the stuff that I never learned, the life skills that people never teach you, right? So that's like where I would love to go in the future. But there's a there's a lot of things I need to do now to set myself up where I can act in that way. And money just happens to be the answer to freedom, right? Yeah. And so, because I grew up very poor, like dirt poor, single mum on on like welfare or Centrelink here. So like 30K for kids. That's crazy, right? I don't know how she did it. Um, And you're taught like these certain scripts around money. Like mm -hmm. being rich is bad. Wanting money is the devil. Like don't get a credit card, like all of this stuff. And so it's been one of the invisible scripts I've had to unwrite to be like, no, like money can equal freedom. You can do things with your money. Like I was able to take my little brother on a surprise trip to Queensland or I can like take my family out or I can buy them these things. You know, like money is a tool for doing good. But mm. um, I think that a lot of people can have that, that script around money and it's just thinking, yeah. are these my own thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think there's so much to unpack there, I think. And I definitely want to come back to like how you think about money more broadly. But one one thing that I've 
you're kind of reminding me of there is I had this thought the other day, which is like we focus so much on how we can get money. Yeah. And we don't think too much about how we spend it and like what we spend it on. And so you can kind of go through your life and like you get a better job, you do well, you get more money. Yeah. But are you getting better at turning that money into happiness? Because that's ultimately like all it is, is this like kind of middleman between your work and what you do and then happiness on the outside. And so it's actually, I think it's actually a skill to know what, where you can spend your money that actually turns it into happiness. Yes. Um, and I don't, I, I haven't really seen much like people talk about that. It's called um, your money dials, right? So I learned okay. about this and I will teach you to be rich by, I will teach you to be rich by Ramit Sethi. Mm. And so Matt and I think about our money dials. So Matt's money dials are a little bit different to mine. My money dials are sometimes like my beauty appointments or, but like, so the idea is that you cut mercilessly on the shit that doesn't make you happy yeah. and you spend as you want on, like on what are your money dials. And so going back to your point, one of the things that we remind each other of, it doesn't matter how much you make, it matters how much you keep and how you made it, right? Because you can make millions of dollars and be the most unhappy son of a bitch in the world. And sure. so does money make you happy? Well, I think it makes it easier to make you happy, but you need to be happy in here first. Yeah. And then you need to know what makes you happy and, and how you can spend that money, Yeah. right? Yeah. And so going back a little bit in the conversation, so when you talked about, how you define what you want and your yeah. goals, right? Because I would say that's the biggest thing that I'm going through right now. Yeah. Not to be cocky, but I kind of like, once I figure out what the goal is, I'm pretty confident. It's over I- for you bitches. Once I figure this out. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm pretty confident I can get there. Of course you can. You know? Yeah. But. What is it? What is it? Yeah. And, and like, I, I've struggled a lot with that. I think I'm probably closer now, but yeah. it's like. How defining the goal, I think, is is probably the hardest thing for me right now. So, yeah. like, is there anything that you you did or that you found or books that you read or anything else that helped yeah. you, like, get a... Because it seems like you've got a pretty clear vision of what that goal yeah. is. Yeah, and in case I come across, like, put together and I talk very confidently, I'm in sales, right? I'm still every day, like, what the fuck am I doing here? Like, what is going on? And it's mm-hmm. this ongoing process, right? I think that the best way... And I've just started reading this other book called Designing Your Life, which are by these product designers in Stanford. It's really interesting. They teach this this course at Stanford and this book walks you through how to design your life. And I've mm-hmm. read and listened to a lot of life designing stuff, but I'm really enjoying this. And one of the concepts that I've read so far is this idea of prototyping, you know, and not trying to get it perfect the right time. So a product designer doesn't just come up with the new um, MacBook Air hinges and al dente chef's kiss gets it right Mm -hmm. there's this iteration process of seeing what works and what fits and figuring it out so the best thing that i can say to people is is you need to test these things so for ages i was like i didn't know what made me happy and it was really embarrassing and i didn't Mm. know what i liked i didn't have any boundaries i had to do a lot of therapy to like undo a lot of things i just was like i was like trying to teach like treat myself like a robot and just like I was just ticking stuff off. I was never living in the moment. I was just like, I accomplished this. What's next? I accomplished this. What's next? And I was never like fully being present and feeling joy and like, and enjoying the journey. Right. And so what I would say to people is you have to test it out. What have I done? I've gone and done like burlesque classes. I've gone and done like all of this random stuff to be like, well, what, what makes me happy? I, I just don't know. And I'm getting closer. I'm still not there. It's, it's, it's really hard, but what I think is it's it's okay not to know, but it's not okay to try and figure it out. 
And so if you don't know, that's so normal and you and it will change all of the time. But it's it's like your mission to figure out what it is, right? And so what is that winning behavior or what is that process that you can run so that you can figure out what it yeah. is for you? I really like that idea of prototyping because yeah. I think um, what I would have got stuck in before was analysis paralysis mm-hmm. of like sitting down and like writing, okay, I'm going to write down, you know, what I like and what I think I like and what I might want mm-hmm. and then – the next day I'll wake up and look at the list. And be like, hmm, I'm not so sure that I like them anymore. Maybe I'll make a new list. Uh, and But you're just in your head, like trying to figure out what the hell you want. And it's impossible. Um, and actually, I think almost by accident, I've probably tried a bit of this prototyping now. So I think say, you have, yeah. Yeah, because like say, well, I'm doing this trip, but then also even... Um, even say with this podcast like this is something that i've thought about for a while mm-hmm. and i was like oh would i like it would i not and you come up with a million reasons why you mightn't or you don't and then i sat down and recorded the first episode and at the end of it i was like buzzing i was yeah. like i wish it could have gone on for like another hour and i was like i want to do another one and then i was like yeah. ah okay maybe i do <laughs> like this it lights you up right and that, <laughs> yeah. i started a podcast during lockdown and, and we've stopped it now but it was i was like it was on my mind, right? And so one time a mate of mine showed me like, you know, like a bell curve. Yeah. And it's like this, it was like a, like a the meme. The dim wet one. No, it was like, it was like a meme, meme bell curve. So yeah. on one end, it's like, like we call, I call them like the chads. Like yeah, I, think, I know that when you're talking about. Yeah. I think good idea, I do. <laughs> yeah. And on the other end, it's the geniuses, right? Like Elon Musk, I think good idea, I do. And then in the middle is like all of these like, yeah. oh, I never do. And I was like. And I don't know what it was about this this meme. And I was like, I do not want to be that middle person. Like, so now I if I have an idea, like b- moving to Bali, I'm like, I've thought about this two or three times. I'm doing it. Yeah. That's it. Like, that, that's my decision. Like, if it if it recurs in my mind, I just do it now. Like, yeah. and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love that. And I want to talk about moving to Bali as well, actually. Um, but to wrap up the, the finance side of things, because yeah. this is like, it, it's a huge thing for everybody, right? Yeah. Like, realistically, is managing your own finances and, mm-hmm. and getting wealth. Even if your goal is not money, the reality is that like money is what leads to yeah. a lot of people's goals. Yeah. So how do you how do you think about building wealth or managing your own finances to yeah. help you achieve the goals that you have? So the most important thing is to set up the system, right? Okay. And to have like so here's the books that you should read. Uh Barefoot Investor. I had a big um, friction on that because I thought it was really lame when I read so, it. So do I. Yeah, yeah, I was like, oh, this is actually really good. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, damn, I should have read this. I, was, I don't know what I thought. Probably because like all your parents try to make you read it. And it's yeah, like- and it's just also like the the cover of the book or something <laughs> it's, freaks me out. Like- <laughs> it's something where I'm like, this is not a vibe, but it's really good. Okay. So there was that. And then I also read, I will teach you to be rich. Those two books help me with systems. And, and then I set them up. So there's this thing called buckets, right? And then a certain percentage, I would set my goals, a certain percentage went into those. And that was awesome because I don't have to think about it. Yeah. You want to make one decision that saved you from a thousand decisions in the future. And this money does compound. So by the t- like I started investing in over two years or less. By the time I was 27, I had 100K in my portfolio in my ETFs. And I was really proud of that, right? Mm. And I was like, oh my God, like, I just don't know. I just thought I'd always be working and living paycheck to paycheck. I can't believe I accomplished this. But it's really easy if you set up systems for success. And maybe because I've always built teams and now I'm building a business, I try to implement these systems. But all I think about is like, what is this winning behavior? What is the winning behavior that I can make my program, my default to hit the outcome? So a lot of people get obsessed with the outcome and then they never hit it. Mm. Right? Because they're like, oh, and then they make it too hard. Outcome, chunk it down. 
by quarter, by month, Mm -hmm. and then you just do little things every day, every week that slowly get you there because the time will pass anyway. So, you asked me a different question and I ranted. Systems, build the system. Then you want to put more money in the system. So, do you need to get more skills to get a um, a pay increase at work? Don't just go and ask for a, a pay rise, right? Like, become more valuable to the company. Maybe you do need one, but become more become more valuable to the company. Do you need to side hustle? Do you need to start your own business? Whatever it is, like just you do that. You set the system and then you put more fuel on the system. Yeah. Easy. And so, and then I'm interested on the investing side of things then. Yeah. So, you put the money into the system. You obviously spend a certain amount of it. You yeah. save others. What, what do you do from an investment perspective to, to kind of grow your wealth over time? Yeah. I'm going to say this is not financial advice because we used to say that on our podcast. So, now you'll never get sued. This is not financial advice. Um, so I'm not like magically smart at investments. I actually am like somewhat math illiterate and I find it really hard, like numbers, and I find it really overwhelming. I'm good at talky talk and, mm-hmm. and language, but maths I'm really, really poor at. So I keep it simple. I just invest in ETFs or index funds, which are um, like an accumulation. So maybe like the top 200 in something or the top – 1,000 or something, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, that's my appetite for risk and that's what I do. I do have some weed stocks and other dumb stuff, but that's a small amount of my portfolio to keep it fun um, and I don't mind if I lose that money. It's, yeah. it's exciting, whatever. I only invest in things I understand, so I never invested in crypto. I never invested in NFTs and now I'm the smartest person in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Because that stuff will crash, but I could have made millions. I don't know. I just didn't understand it, so I, d- yeah. I don't invest in it. Um, and a lot of people will say, oh, I don't want to invest my money in the stock market because I'll lose it. But this is my logic of why I think that's dumb. Because when you invest in the stock market, you are investing in businesses, which means you're investing in people and you're investing in our society growing and compounding Mm -hmm. and getting better. If the stock market permanently crashes, we have a wider societal (laughs) problem than your stocks going down, right? Like that just means like we can't business no good no more and like, hey, it could last five or 10 years, like recessions can, but if we never come out of it, it's probably like yeah. an apocalypse. Yeah, that's Yeah, a good point. like it's, it's probably an apocalypse Like, and it won't matter how much money you had because you have to sell goats and cans of food now anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I actually do agree with that. <laughs> um, okay, so then shifting over to the persuasion experience yeah. side of things. So you've been at it for 15 months. Yeah. Um, you do it with your partner, yeah. Matt. What's that like working, <laughs> working with your partner? Because, I mean, I don't have a partner right now, but if somebody suggested starting a business with my partner, I'd be like, oh, I'm not, I'm not sure that that's a good idea. <laughs> I'm not sure I'd recommend that to somebody. Yeah. So, what's it like? So, should everyone do it? No. Is it a strain on relationship? Yes. Here's how we deal with it and here's what we thought about before we did that. We had already worked together, so he already knew that I was the boss. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> he was already really well trained. No, no. I hope he doesn't listen this far in the episode. He might get over my voice by now. Um, but like, we knew we had a really respectful working relationship. We're also geeks at direct response that we love. So when we first started dating, I would come over and we would drink wine and watch infomercials and like tear down the infomercials. So we're both really passionate about what we do, which is like, is actually a really strong part of our connection, mm. but not everybody has that connection, right? Mm. Like most partners aren't in the same industry, doing the same thing, reading the same books, geeking out on the same stuff. So we had that connection already. Um, on top of that, we had, we didn't do those side hustles together for so long because we didn't want to mix 
business and relationship, right? And I was still learning how to be good at relationship. When we first started dating, like I couldn't even say what emotions I was feeling at the time. Like that that wasn't a good fit. But as like we did it, we were like, wow, imagine if we combined our powers for good. And then we did it and we sat down when we started the business and we did all of our contingency planning. What happens if we break up? What happens if someone's chronically ill for an indefinite period of time? What happens? What happens? What happens? What happens if someone cheats? What happens if this happens? So we have all of the we've agreed on the playbooks of what will happen if one of these bad things really? happen. Yeah, we've agreed on it all. We did it over cocktails. Most planning is over cocktails. <laughs> during, we don't drink as much now, but during lockdown, coping. So yeah, and like everything that could happen, like we've already decided, we've already agreed, so we can do things amicably. However, mm. when you work with somebody in a house together, we were working here in lockdown, and now we work from home, and. I like it's like we like how do you keep the love alive like we've been together for five years now which is not a super long time but it's past that honeymoon phase Mm -hmm. right and we've been doing this for about 15 months together so we schedule in fortnightly date nights non-negotiable we take turns in organizing it just a little surprise we take Mm -hmm. each other out um what we're getting better at is having time away from each other. So last year, Matt just happened to go on a conference to Bali and I just happened to have a girl's trip in Bali a week each. And I was like, wow, we're having two weeks away from each other every year. Love you, but get out of the house for a week. You skipped. Um, And what else? We just have to be very brutally honest with each other. If someone does something wrong, you have to be good at like, because like I'm very masculine energy at work right? But I can't be very masculine energy all the time in our relationship. So I have to like switch out of that mode and then I try and like move into my feminine energy more. And that's hard when you're working from home and with the same person. What else? And then every Friday we fill in um, a little quiz that goes out to us with the same questions. And then we always in one of the last questions, like what did somebody do that week that made you proud? So we're always making sure that we're giving so cute. each year. It's like, <laughs> oh, this week you did this. And they're like, oh, thank you. Yeah. But we still like, we make sure we say like, oh, but also you did this and that was dumb. So can you not do that again? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's just like good communication. Could I have done it? two to five years ago no way i didn't have the emotional intelligence Mm. to hold down a relationship and to build a business Mm -hmm. um are we perfect at it no like has it taken a toll on certain elements of our relationship sometimes but would we change it no like it's just so exciting and we get to move so much faster i mean sometimes like I'm like in the shower and Matt will be like, I had this idea. And I'm like, dude, get out. Or like he's falling asleep and I was like, did you do that client thing? And, and you know, like we're yeah. getting better at putting up boundaries. And but- do, is that something you consciously try and do or do you, or is it just unrealistic? Uh, like- so now we just have to say, I'm not in work mode right now. Okay. Like I, I'm home Alicia. Yeah. And so it'd be like, sorry, office hours are tomorrow from 6am. Like just slack me and I'll look at it tomorrow or, yeah. or vice versa. Yeah. Um, but we're getting better at it, right? Okay. Because it was really exciting at the start and we could move really quick. The downside of that is that we overthink a lot of things and then we can like keep shifting and we shouldn't be shifting. But mm. anyway, end monologue, talking stick back to you. That's yeah. what it's like working with your partner. Yeah, no, I'm actually really interested in that. Like when I listen to this, it sounds great, right? Because because it, if you've got somebody who you obviously like enough to be in a relationship with them, yeah, and then you're able to also have this like exciting business with them mm. that you can that you have like a shared passion around, like, yeah, that sounds great. Like it's yeah. because I mean, obviously, it's not for everybody, 
but you know there are lots of couples out there and somebody does something and then the other person does a completely different thing for work yeah. and then they come home and it's like the work interests don't overlap yeah and so you know the chat around the dinner table is going to be around something else i'm sure there's yeah. interests that they do share yeah but for me it actually sounds like a pretty cool mix to be able yeah. to come home and sit down or you are at home already <laughs> yeah. right? but like when you sit yeah. down for lunch and you're like you, you've got something that you are both invested in that you yeah. share an interest in i think that sounds pretty cool um and so how how is the business going like if you've got this goal of you know this ideal day mm. and the thirty thousand dollars a month mm. where are you on your path to that goal yeah so our first year of business we had half a million in revenue which is good. And a lot of that was profit, right? That's huge. Yeah. And like, I don't think I, like sometimes I say that and it just is like, a, it's like an order, but I've been really thinking about it lately. And I was like, oh Matt, I think, yeah, that was good. We made a lot of money right? and we used a lot of that money to reinvest back into mm-hmm. the business. Um, but I also was working 14 hour days because I, I have an addictive personality. Luckily mine doesn't go to heroin, it goes to working, mm-hmm. which can be just as chronically bad, but I do have an addictive personality and I find it really hard to know when to stop. Like, you know, those dogs that have that automatic throwing toy and some of those golden retrievers died. That's me. If someone doesn't turn off the, the, the dog toy throwing machine, like I just will keep going until I die anyway. So I, I often think about that when I'm like, turn the computer off before you die. So yeah, what does that look like? That's what we did in our first year. And now we're like, we just need to slow down. We just need to be okay with not making that money and we need to actually, I'd prefer to be earning less and we didn't pay ourselves heaps of money. We reinvested a lot of it. We also use the business to fund a lot of things, right? Like tax advantage things, right? So how close are we to that? You'll have to ask again in the year. We've made the plan. We will hit it if we follow this plan and we don't get distracted because we have set up the winning behavior and the systems to get there Mm. now. And it's all churning um, I'm confident we'll get there by the end of the year. And, and mind you, that's, I want 30K, Matt wants 30K. I don't know if we'll both get there, but if we can get up to like 15, 20 this year, I mean, like I'm not going to sniff at that. And I'm working less, right? Yep. And I'm working four or five hours a day. I'm, I'm almost happy to sit there yeah. because there's like that law of diminishing returns. Like how much extra do I make 100%. for how much more work I have to put in? And yeah. I don't, I don't want to work that. I don't want to have to work that much, which is so freeing to say because I used to have to. I used to work so much, right? Mm-hmm. And and you have to work smarter, not more hours. So that's what we're trying to figure out. Yeah, and so you've also decided to move to Bali. Yeah, where did that come from? We're like we should live in Bali. Like, yeah, let's do that. Okay. Like literally, just like really? because we want to have freedom of of life and place, yeah. and we've spoken about it. And this is just going back to. If you think it, do it, right? Like, mm-hmm. good. if good idea, do it. And we're only going to be young ones. Maybe one day we start procreating and having a mortgage. I'm not going to be able to live in Bali then. So, it's like we just want to have these experiences while we can. We're lucky that we live in, we work in an industry where we can work anywhere. Like, it's not going to impact anything. Yeah. A client doesn't know whether I'm here or in a villa in Bali. I mean, unless the internet shit, then they'll probably know. But, like, yeah, it's just like... We want to do it, like, and that, and that's yeah. like, that's it. It's just like, it sounds exciting. It might be terrible. If it's terrible, we're gonna move up through the rest of Southeast Asia, and then just like sort of maybe like end in Italy or Greece or something. But this is this is the thing, right? As somebody who loves to control things and know down to like the minute detail, yeah. this is what something that I'm pushing myself to do. Like, I don't know. I don't know where I'll be 
So we should be out of here at the start of April. I don't know where I'll be in two months time. I don't know where I'll be in six months time. I don't know where I'll be in 12 months time. Um, and it's scary to us both, but it's going to expand us, right? Mm. You can either do activities that keep you neutral, that shrink you and detract you or that expand you. And for us, this is an expansion activity and yeah, I don't know, which I haven't said I don't know this whole podcast, right? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's like, um, I mean, I'm kind of going through something similar myself in terms of like, yeah. I don't know what the next, I don't know where I'll be in two months or four yeah. months or six months. Like, and I say I would have been quite similar to you in terms of like the idea of that even a year ago would have like freaked me out. Like, yeah. I'd be like, wow, I got to plan this shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, I've probably got maybe one or two more questions and we'll wrap okay. up. Um, so if somebody is thinking about, you know, going out and starting their own uh, their own business, maybe similar to what you do, maybe mm. like slightly different, um, what, what would you say to them? Because I, I think it's important to be realistic. Like it's n- it actually isn't for everybody. Yeah, because so the, 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 yeah, there is a like, oh, just do it, right? But the reality is like there's personalities and skill sets that won't be suited yeah. to it and, and they won't have a good time. And you don't realize in a job, and even though I worked in startups, I was very close to the owner and I knew more of the background work than what you would know in a bigger company. I knew, right? Yeah. And I'd always worked in small businesses and I even had friends that were business owners. But you, it just changes where like then if you have staff, their livelihood is now – like I'm not just – when I'm like out there making sales, it's not just for me and Matt to have some some play money. It's like, well, I like I pay people. I have to make mm-hmm. – I have to make payroll. Um, and the answer – there's like this big thing of like this like, oh, quit your nine to five. It's like that is not the answer for everybody. And I think some people know they're on a good wicket, right? You can – and you can have a very happy life. That was always my plan. You can have a very happy life working in a job, hopefully that you do love most of the time. The answer is not starting a business. It's very hard. Um, And if I could go back, would I start an agency? It's a very hard model to crack. Ideally, like what we'll we'll end up doing in the future is maybe buying businesses that are already really well, going well Mm -hmm. in a niche, like probably in a boring niche, Mm -hmm. and then coming and doing really good sales and marketing and and taking them to the next level. That will be our next level of our like entrepreneurship Mm. journey. Because starting a business from scratch is also really hard. Um, And you have to be a salesperson, a marketer, HR, like all of these things. So in saying that, if you know, like, yes, like you have the draw to doing this, what I would say is you don't want to be stressed when you start. So we had that six months of our own lifestyle runway. We knew, and I didn't skimp. I was like, I still want to go and like yeah, yeah. do this. I'm going to get a massage here. Like this is yeah. how much money I need to live my life. Be realistic about it. Yeah, yeah. and I spent it all. I, did, I was stupid. I didn't adjust my lifestyle because like we went from earning lots of money to nearly half when we like we didn't pay ourselves for four months. Okay. And then we like then our our bankroll is not much like our pays because we'll pay dividends out of yeah, the business. Yeah. That's a better way to do it. But for ages, like I was back on like not much. I won't say, but just not much <laughs> at all. Um, so yeah, make sure that you have that money, that buffer, so that you can do it and you can be comfortable and you won't get it right the first time. Mm. We failed at we failed at four businesses. Mm. I started. We started a hair gummy e-commerce dumb we started a lavender sleep spray dumb obviously we thought like an e-commerce store was like the solution it is not the solution then i had a side hustle called marketing manager for hire and then we started a business called ecom email experts and we did that for like the when we first quit our jobs we're doing that for a few months 
and then we found persuasion experience. So mm. you will not find the proper thing, the thing that's right for you. You have to get out there, like prototype it, right? Yeah. And keep trying until you find it. Yeah, I like that. I also like the idea of starting a business is not the answer. Yeah. Um, because similar to like getting money, it's like it's the middleman, right? Yeah. So, but if you do the exercise of um, the life design where you say, okay, well, this is my goal. I want X amount of dollars or here's how I want to spend my time or here's yeah. what my ideal day is. Then you can say, okay, well, is starting my own business going to get me this? Or yeah. actually in my current job, if I just change one or two things, yeah. can I get the same exactly. thing? And that might be a lot, it will <laughs> definitely be a lot easier path if you're able to do that one yeah. rather than having to go and start a business. Exactly. If yeah. you don't want like the stress and like working mm-hmm. the weekends, like you don't get those boozy brunches when you first start out for the first several years, depending on your goals, like you're not better off starting your own business. Like you actually have to take several steps back, which will then allow you to propel forward. But you have to have that appetite of eating shit for a while. (laughs) Yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay, last question. Um, Mm. You mentioned a few books already. Some on the life design side, some on the financial freedom side of things. Are there any books, movies, podcasts, experiences that you recommend to somebody who's kind of like, hey, Whatever I'm doing right now, I know it's not it and I need to, I want to figure out what it is and, yeah. and, and go and get it. Yeah. So one of the best books I ever read that totally changed my mind, like how I thought and probably stopped me from being a petty bitch was how to win friends and influence people. Oh, yeah. And I read it every year. And like, I just remember reading it being like, this is, and I think it's like the first time I became like self-aware maybe or like somewhat like a bit more self-aware because I was really young, like in my early 20s when I read yeah. it. And I was like, ah. Oh, yeah, okay. And then it compounds from this. So if you've never read that, definitely that. All of the personal finance books read like um you don't have to agree with people right as well. Like people like sometimes look at these authors and they're a white balding man with a huge handlebar mustache and they're like I can't learn anything from that person. You can learn every, something from everybody, right? So don't like stay in your echo chamber. Go out and like expand expand your knowledge and what you think about. So for wealth and business, Matt and I our diehard like mentor that we like read and watch uh, everything is Dan Kennedy. And he's like very well known if you're in like direct response, but he's like the OG of like marketing and business growth and just, and just the mindset that I've learned from him. I don't agree with everything because some of it's too cutthroat for me, but it changes my thinking and it challenges me to think differently, which is what you want to be doing, right? You, you don't want to read shit and watch shit that you agree with. That's not how you grow. Yeah. You want to read stuff that challenges you. And so in saying that, what I would leave everybody on is one of the best things I ever did about six months ago was that all of my social media I knew was an echo chamber, super left echo chamber, right? And I just started getting really outrageous and I read that like social and I watched that social documentary, I'm in marketing, and I was like, what if I make a YouTube channel that I train it to show me right-wing conservative stuff? So I started watching Ben Shapiro, um, Matt Smith, Candace Owens, and that trained like my algorithm and I don't agree with everything, but it challenged me to become an independent thinker. And I think that's one of the best skills I've learned in the last six months. And and I can, you know what, I don't know if you've ever played the Sims and you, when you see your Sim level up, mm-hmm. like I felt the leveling up somewhat. Really? And I was like, yeah, this, and, and, and some of my values have shifted because I was like, my thoughts actually weren't my own. Right. And yeah. so that's the best thing that you can do is every time you have a thought, think, is that my thought? And then go and try and convince yourself otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually a super cool idea because um, like we know that we end up wanting a lot of the things that 
the people we hang around with yeah. want. Yeah. And that's why they're always like, you know, be very um, thoughtful about who you spend your time with yeah. because like you're going to start reflecting yeah, like their exactly. values and their desires and everything else. But then we don't always think about, well, we spend a lot of time online. And so they are our online yes, friends are. in like a yeah. weird kind of way. And so like if we're seeing all these things and it's like, oh, well, these people want this. Like subconsciously, you're going to start wanting mm-hmm. what And you they believe want. those things. You act like them. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I really like that idea. I think it's... um. I think it's it's tough to do because I, I don't know how you, like how do you do it on Instagram right? It's not like you can just like, I just you I don't have any of that shit on my phone anymore. Yeah, it's yeah like, well, that's probably healthy. <laughs> <laughs> probably yeah. sometimes I lapse and then on the weekend I like download it so I can yeah. post like shit posts of me drinking like you know yeah. just like the worst selfie footage in the world because the people need to know. But for the most part, it's it's a waste of time. Like yeah. it truly is. And I yeah. watch a lot of Netflix. I'm not one of those people that are like, don't watch TV. Like I watch like Nailed It. I watch Physical 100. I watch all of the dumb shit on there. But I'm I'm like more diet conscious of the information mm. that I consume. So like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just a bit more conscious of what I'm letting in here, right? Because we don't even understand how these things work. I'm pointing at my brains for everyone on audio. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like we don't understand. And it's just like it's programming you more than you realize. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, I think it's a good place to leave it. Yep. Thank end. you so much. This cool. is great. Yeah, yeah thanks. It was nice to meet you in person. Yeah, I know. Stephen <laughs> and I used to work together. Stephen hired me as a contractor. That's how good I am at sales, everybody. Um, that's how we know I, each other. I actually have to say, um, I remember going through the sales process with you and just being like blown away. Mm. I was like, this sales experience feels beautiful. <laughs> I was like, I almost didn't want to sign the contract because then I was like, the sales ends. <laughs> Tell me more shit. Yeah, I was no like, I, I want to be, I want to be wooed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. More whining and dining, but um, yeah. So thank you for having me on. It's no, really awesome. Thank you. So I hope you enjoyed that chat that I just had with Alicia. I know I certainly did. I came away actually pretty pumped and with a lot of energy after it. There's a few things that I found particularly helpful and insightful from this chat. So the first one was. The benefits of working in an agency or in a consulting business early on in your career. So that's something I did, something Alicia did with the marketing marketing agencies that she worked for. And the benefits of being able to taste lots of different parts of an industry and get that really broad breadth of experience, like her working on 400 different campaigns, that's huge. And you don't get that in-house. And I think there's a lot to be said for working for an agency or a consulting business earlier on in your career. The second thing that I took away from it was the insight that she gave into running an agency. So I was really surprised to hear that most agencies will only ever really generate a 30% profit margin, no matter how much they can grow. And as a path that I was potentially considering myself of having my own agency, especially because I'm coming from a background in marketing, so it seems like one potentially natural step. I was very interested to hear that and to hear just how hard it is to scale because it is a largely people business. And that falls into the chat that we had as well around managing people and the fact that managing people isn't always the best progression for everybody because not everybody wants to manage people. And so I'm thinking about that myself. If I wanted to go down the route of opening up my own agency and having my own business, do I really want to be managing teams and people again and there's benefits to it, but right now I'm not sure that it is something that I want to do. I love her concept of prototyping your life. I've fallen into that trap so many times myself of just 
over analyzing things and not actually testing them out and to go test something out see if you like it in a tiny way pick it up as a hobby do a class and do a course in it see if you like it and if you do then hang on to it i also took away her focus on process and structure as we said on the pod i've worked with her before and um, when i was at wayflyer and she is super super structured and super process orientated um, everything from how she runs her business to how she runs her sales process to clearly how she works with Matt um, in terms of all these agreements that they've written down and the deals that they've done and the survey that she does on a Friday and everything else. So I've taken that away as something really important. It seems like a big part of her success is that process and structure that she's brought to running her business and managing her life. And it's something that I would actually like to implement a lot more, especially when I don't have the structure of a nine to five job. And so I think those are the main things that I took away from this chat. She's a very inspiring person. I really liked the transparency that she had around the goals that she'd set herself. Oh, that was one last thing that I really loved was that she has set herself this monetary target of $30,000 per month. And she knows that she could set her target higher and that she could go and build a massive business. But she also knows that that won't bring her any incremental happiness. And so I love that because, especially for ambitious people, you can fall into the trap of wanting more and more and more on the financial side without realizing, actually, is that more money going to turn into happiness for me? And so I love the fact that she's kind of set herself this goal, which is a big goal, of course. Taking home $30,000 a month is a lot of money, but it's not taking home a million dollars a month. And I really like that she's kind of set herself that goal and the structure that she's put on it. So those are the main things that I took away from this conversation. Uh, I'd love to hear what you took away from it and if you enjoyed it. So do just hit me up on Instagram or on LinkedIn and let me know what you thought of this podcast. I'll see you next time.